Hey, it is, um, it's uh, so good to be back. Who's enjoying just being back? Um, if you're a guest here, if you're new, a visitor, kia ora, welcome. Um, we are excited to have you here, excited to have everybody here. So, okay, um, who was here last week, and depending on how many hands up, depends on how hard I will go on the recap, okay? So who was here, not here, who was at the marquee last week? Okay, probably two-thirds. All right, that's good. So last week, um, I introduced the start of a series called the Influencer Series. And I talked about how are we influenced or are we the influencer? Are we led or do we lead? Are we the thermometer or are we the thermostat? I'll unpack those in a second. It all stemmed from a story I told about how I went over to Brisbane and found myself coming under the culture, coming under the anointing of something else, whatever language you want to put there. But I came under a bit of a dark cloud and I had an epiphany uh, that uh, I had come under something and that great are you Lord and that I don't need to come under that and uh, that stepping into the reality of who I am and the reality of the presence of God um, can change an environment, change a situation. So, just quick recap. Right, so we did uh, influential sons and daughters. Uh, and I'm just going to do the quickest of recaps. I talked about the thermostat versus the thermometer. If you're new to that idea, I didn't invent it. Um, but the idea is, is are you a thermometer? A th- thermometer takes... The culture or takes the temperature of the room and they, um, they reflect it. Or are you a thermostat that does know what the temperature is, but they reflect it and they change the temperature? You know, I'm reminded actually this week as I was just pondering on it that, um, do you know that you can also set the temperature kind of incorrectly? Have you ever thought about that? Like you can bring an atmosphere into a room, but it's not always a good atmosphere. I'll tell you what, our dog Kobe the other night was bringing an atmosphere into the room that nobody wanted. And like she was changing the temperature in the room, but no one wanted that, okay? So I'm sorry to be crass, but my point is, is that actually, do you know those people that come in and they're like, oh, I'm going to set the tone of the room with my grumpiness. And you're like, hey, come on. You're a thermostat, but you got it all upside down. Uh, you know, you're, you're meant to bring uh, joy and peace and comfort to the environment, not the opposite. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, I also talked about the three things that can help you um, when you realize that your temperature setting is wrong. Um, okay, recognize, realign, and replace. So we recognize that maybe like I did when I was in Brisbane, I recognize, oh, I've come under something. I recognize the situation has changed. The temperature is not right. I recognize that. Then what I do is I go, okay, Lord, I need to realign with you. I do that with worship. I just go, God, oh, that's right. You are fearfully. You've made me fearfully and wonderfully made. You're great. Great are you, God. Um, and I remember these things and I take the time to realign myself with him in him. And then I replace. I come in and I replace the atmosphere. I replace the anointing with God's word, whose God says I am. I replace it um, depending on the situation. I might speak in a heavenly language. I might declare scripture. I might just bring it in my words, but I change the atmosphere through God in Christ. 
I can bring a difference to the atmosphere. We're going to see that today uh, a couple of times. And then the last thing I talked about, oh no, actually two things. We talked about the I am. Um, so that is for you. If you'd like that, you can find it on our Facebook page. You can print that off. You can have a copy of it. Um, I think Nikki did a great version of this, which it says, you are called. But if you've got it at home, it's a bit weird to look at it and say, you are called. So we've got the I am and the you are. If you want to give it to your kids or speak it over to your kids, use this one. If you want to use the other one, speak it over to yourself, use that one. But I talked about how influence often starts from vulnerability. It starts with just being honest and open about where you're at. Cool. So that was last week's uh, sermon in a nutshell. And today is a little bit different. If you've not heard me speak before, you might think this is my normal. This probably isn't my normal. I really enjoy um, taking a thematic theme of the gospel or uh, a subject like hope or something like that and weaving it through. I really enjoy that. I enjoy exegetical stuff. I enjoy that. Today, We've done a bit of that, a bit of a, got, a, bit of a preach last week. Because last week was all about you are powerful. If you're a son or daughter of Christ, you can change environments and atmospheres. The way you are designed and called to be is pretty epic, pretty amazing. The uncreated creator living in you, influencing the cultures around you, the environments, your workplace, your family, all of those things. So I preached that. Today is a bit more practical. Who loves a good practical sermon. This is going to be very, very practical. Everybody say very practical. So I encourage you, get a pen and paper, get uh, notes on your phone, get out your camera if you'd like to take a photo. Um, And I hope this will be really helpful. So it's going to be a little bit more today, like a workshop. Okay, It's going to be an influencing roles workshop. Now I know up there, there will be, we've got six of them. Maybe. We'll see how we go. If we get through six, that's great. If we don't, we've got another week. Um, So what I want you to do is I want you to do me a favor. Imagine just before the service, I come up to you, Pastor Dre, if we know each other, cool. If we don't, I'll introduce myself. Imagine I came up to you and said, hey, could you do me a favor? And you'd go, sure, what what can I do? Um, And this is what I'm asking you to do, each and everyone, because it's really easy to hide in the masses, right? It's really easy to hide just in the congregation. But I'm asking everyone, making eye contact with everybody-ish. I got a bung bung eye, so maybe it was a little bit iffy on that side. But I'm asking you, you, when we go through this, could you really ask yourself the question, where do I fit? What can I do? Now, here's the cool thing, is a lot of you are a lot smarter than me. So you might think of a point and you can write it down in your own notes. You can be like, at the end of it, in a year's time, you'll read it and be like, man, Dre was really smart, and there'll be half of your ideas. So that's cool. All right, so that's what I want you to do today. Now, there's six points, six areas that we are called to be influencers in. However, not all of you will necessarily be aligned with those. You may not be a parent. You may not have any family members. Perhaps you don't currently work or you're retired. But I hope that these would be encouraging to you and to the people around you. Right, let's go. 2024, I really see it as a year of influence. I want to see God influence your thinking. Romans 12, 12, be, um, do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be reformed, uh, uh, be uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want God to influence your thinking, to influence your heart, to influence how you hear things, 
influence how you speak. 2024 is a year of being influenced, completely immersed by God and who God is, okay? Who wants that first? Come on. If you don't put your hand up, that's okay, but you should. <laughs> then the second part of that is I think it's a year of influence, influencing others. If you are immersed in who God is, in his nature and in his character and in his teachings on a regular basis, and you go to kindergarten or you go to the sausage sizzle, what do you think is happening? You're leaking. <laughs> a good leaking. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but you might be cracked just like me. And the goodness of God leaks out through cracks when you're vulnerable. <laughs> All right. Year of influence. So influencing series. This one is called Influencing Roles. So week one was we are influential. Week two is where and how, that's today. And then the next one is the collective. Uh, one of my favorite pieces of scriptures, I am uh, a visual person. When I was 17, I think this might have, been, might have been the third or fourth scripture I ever read. And it's really descriptive and beautiful and picturesque, picturesque and it creates a, a, an image in your brain, and I love it. Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? We're going to talk about that. <laughs> it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill uh, cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, you are the light that shines before others, uh, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're going to talk about that last line. People might see your good deeds and glorify you in heaven. What I'm not saying today is I'm not trying to get you to do more, but rather really understand the impact that God has in you and everywhere you go. Because if you understand the impact, you understand the influence. If you understand the impact, you understand the influence. And when you know what's happening, you can create new environments. You can change the atmosphere. Right, so we've got five. I uh, know we've got six actually. Um, but I love this quote. Is this the Oswald one? Yes, Oswald Chambers. The most important aspect of Christianity is not the work we do but the relationship we maintain, that is Jesus, and the surrounding influence and qualities produced by that relationship. That is all God asks us to give our attention to, and it is the one thing that continually under attack. So all of this stems from relationship with Jesus. It's going to be hard to be a Christian influence in your workplace, at work, in church, at home, in your family, to be a Christian influence if you're not a Christ follower, for starters. We must follow Christ. We must be in and close to God. That's the first thing. All right. Are we ready? Here's our five things. You might be having a quick glance at that and go, yep, that one's for me. That one's not for me. That one I might go get some popcorn for because it doesn't apply to me. Um, but those are the things I felt on my heart to cover. So today's going to be very practical and workshop kind of orientated. First one, personal faith. How are we influential and our personal faith. The model for today is I'm going to have a scripture for each one. 
Uh, then I'm going to have four or five ideas. Then I'm going to tell a story. And then there's a quote. Okay? I like order. I like things. And that's the order. Okay, there we go. So our scripture. Uh, sorry, here's our quote from Rick Warren. Christianity is not a religion or a philosophy, but a relationship and a lifestyle. The core of that lifestyle is thinking of others as Jesus did instead of ourselves. One of the key steps to being influential for Christ is remembering other people. Remembering that others come first. Others are important and have value. Right, here we go. Here's the scripture. Matthew 5.16. In the same way, let the good deeds shine out for all to see that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. The strength of your personal relationship with Christ is a strength to others too. In a Christian context, being a strong believer is helpful for all the other Christians around you too, right? They, you're encouraged, you see them, you can help them along. But how many people also know that whether someone admits it or not, your Christian values, your Christian morals, your Christian ethos is actually helpful to them too? In the sense that you bring faith, you bring hope, you bring love, you bring faithfulness and goodness and self-control into every workplace family thing that you do or can do. Remembering this is also an encouragement. This word is not to, to make you feel less, but to rather see the potential and see the hope. Uh, for some people, you may be the only Bible they ever read. That's daunting and terrifying, isn't it? For some people, you're a rat. That's why vulnerability is really helpful. Because here's, here's something I learned as a young Christian. I learned this. I learned that non-Christians don't understand the relationship. They understand religion. That's fair enough. They're not in relationship. So they understand religion. And they what is religion? It's rules. So when they see you breaking a rule because they don't have a relationship. They're like, aha, I've, I've found, I figured it out. It's all a lie. Or, haha, you're all phony. So one of the best ways that you can influence non-Christians is by being vulnerable and being open and saying, oh yeah, no, we're cracked. <laughs> like, we're, we, I'm still trying to figure this out. I'll often say people go, oh, church is full of hypocrites. And I'm like, yep, because <laughs> we're trying to work on it. We're trying to grow in it. We're trying to work on it. So encourage, and I would say be, be comfortable with the fact that you're not perfect. Communicate that. Um, in a world of bland mashed potatoes, your salt stands out. The Bible says that you are salt and light in Matthew 5. Who loves mashed potatoes? I do too. But just plain mashed potatoes, I'm, I'm like, grate up a little bit of cheese in there, a bit of milk, a lot of butter. My wife's not here. A lot of salt. Um, maybe a bit of bacon. Uh, I'm just being honest. Um, but the, f the fact is that bringing salt to mashed potatoes, bringing salt to a bland kind of environment that's all just negative, stands out. It improves the taste of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Cool. Um, in every relationship, think of it about bringing people closer to God. You may not be able to talk about God in every scenario, but you can talk about what you did in the weekend. You can talk about how you respond in an environment, in a situation. 
Uh, if we are obedient, God will often use us to answer the prayers of others. I think this is it. So if you want to take a photo of it, you can. God will often use us to be the answer to someone else's prayer. You know, gosh, I just need someone to listen. You turn up with your dumbo ears, ready to listen. Someone just needs to be encouraged. Someone just needs a prayer for healing. Someone just needs warmth and joy in their life. You can be that answer. So your personal faith is massively influential. You don't know the impact that you have. I know that to be true. Us as Christians, we don't know the impact that we have of just being faith, hope, and love everywhere I go. You are salt in the mashed potato. Bit of bacon, bit of cheese, bit of butter. Okay. Quick story. I remember years ago, um, a long time ago, I uh, was working for a family member, um, and this family member got sick, and I was running a, um, an accommodation place, and um, they did, I worked for them, and he had a kind of a verbal contract with the owner, and he got really sick, this family member of mine, and he uh, didn't tell me, but I knew sort of the arrangement. And this was back in the day, and it wasn't my business, but basically it was cash. So half the agreement, on my understanding, was half of whatever we made went to the owner. And um, my family member would take the money and go and give it to him. But anyway, on, after about week three of him being sick, this <coughs> Lamborghini, no, it was a Ferrari, sorry, a Ferrari uh, F40 turns up one day, and I was like, well, that's unusual. Uh, and this guy hops out, I'm like, I'm guessing he's the owner of the place. He's definitely not renting a room. Um, and so he hops out, and he says, hey, I'm blah, 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 I'm the owner. I was like, oh, cool, nice to meet you. And uh, he said, hey, look, this person's away sick. Um, am I able to pick up the cash? And I was like, cool, yes, uh, bit of a surprise. But I said, look, just give me five minutes to work it all out, what's... 50% of the last three weeks, basically. And I worked it all out, and I was like, well, I can't give them the F-plus stuff. I'll just give them the cash back then. Do you remember when people used to use cash for almost everything? Yeah. The other, the other week, we had to find cash to pay for the chairs we rented. I think we had to go to, like, six people or something. Nobody had cash. Um, but anyway, we, we got there in the end. I came out, and I go, cool, here's the sum of money. And he looked at it, looked at me, and I was like, ooh. He's not happy if I made a mistake. I've made a mistake. And he goes, what's this? I was like, ah, oh, sorry, it's 50% of the last three weeks. And he was like, ah, uh, that's way too much. And I said, well, it's the last three weeks. And he said, no, no, it should be this amount. And basically, in that moment, I had the realization that my family member uh, was telling him it was this amount, when in reality, it was about six times less. And I had that realization right there and then. And he's like, wait, what do you mean? Are you having a good week? And I was like, no, today's it's not a great week, to be honest. And he's like, wait, but it should be this amount. And he hit the roof, as you would when you find out someone's been stealing from you. And I, in that moment, went, oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> because I'm not sure how that family member has that brand new Holden Commodore, actually, now that I think about it. I have been a little bit curious. Um, and I was like, oh, this is all making sense. And he went out and he tried to ring my family member. He was on the phone screaming. And I had this moment in here where I thought, what do I do? And I said, Lord, what do I do here? And God said, what did he say? He said, who are you? 
I was like, that, I, I know who I am. You need to give me an answer. What do I do here? He said, who are you? I said, I'm your son. He said, yep. What comes with that? I said, integrity, honesty, trustworthiness, loyalty. I was like, loyalty to what? To who in this situation? Because I could probably find a way to lie out of this if I had to. And I went, no. the truth is, this person has been stealing. And so he came in and he wanted to look at the books. He wanted to ask me like thousand and one questions. And I went, I, I have to partner with truth. My, my, I have to partner with what I know is right and we'll figure out the rest later. And so I gave him everything. I told him everything. Not that I knew stuff beforehand, but I told him everything he asked. And man, did it go badly <laughs> between me and that family member. Two years, they wouldn't talk to me. And I was like, you put me in that situation. It wasn't my fault. And so the guy, the boss said to me, about six months later, why would you do that? And I said to him, I could, only like I could, I said to him, um, well, because I'm a Christian. And he was confused. And I said, I, I believe in truth. I believe in telling the truth. I believe with being straight up. I believe on all of those things. And I have to do what I say I'm going to do. And this is the situation. And he's like, he said to me, I have never had a more convin convincing case for church than that. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, so yeah, why would I do that? Only because I know what the gospel is and I know who God is. You might remember these three things. If in your personal faith, you think it's not where I'd like it to be, it's not influencing people the way I want it to be, recognize, realign, and replace. So if you need to, think about that. Take a photo and go, God, what is it that you need me to do? What do you, how do you need me to twist and think about things differently? Parenting. I realize not everybody is a parent, but I hope that this could be an encouragement to you as an auntie, an uncle, a grandparent, maybe a church auntie, church uncle, church grandparent. Famous uh, Bible scripture, <laughs> Proverbs 22, start the children off the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not turn from it. So my first point seems really silly, but it's an obvious one. Establish what you're aiming for. I get an opportunity to talk to parents all the time. I'll ask them, what's the goal here? And more often than not, they'll say this. I want little Johnny to be happy. I want Johnny to be happy. Okay. Little Johnny, if he was my kid, it's not my goal for him to be happy. <laughs> With my kids, our kids, the goal is not for them to be happy. The parents here are knowing where I'm going. What does happy mean right now for a kid? It's all day playing Fortnite with McDonald's cheeseburgers and you running back and forth getting everything. Am I right? Does it, so what makes them happy isn't necessarily good for this. is the Brussels sprout all over again. So you need to ask the question, what am I aiming for? So... Hannah and I, our number one goal, not that we're perfect parents by any means, but our number one goal is that our children, in every way that we can possibly try, we want them to be followers of Jesus. Yeah. That's our goal, is to have them in the church, loving God, serving God, and having a personal relationship with Christ. Because everything else can fit into that. Everything else can be solved. All the questions have the answers in Jesus. Or at least if they don't, he's there with them. 
So what is your goal? What are you aiming for as parents? Does that make sense? Cool. Okay. Establish what the goal is. Point number two, the way in which you speak to your kids is often the way they speak to themselves internally. They are mirrors. They reflect us. So when we call them harsh things and we use terrible tones and terrible language, they reflect that in their own thinking. If you can do nothing else, just try and change your tone a wee bit. Think about the influence your words have. The Bible says your words are powerful. I couldn't think of a better way to say this. Um, Kids are the best... um, uh, uh, biblical studies um, detectors. No, <laughs> I just couldn't think of a better word. If you can think of one, feel free to come up to me afterwards. They're the best BS, what is the word, detectors. They know when you're not being truthful. They know when you're faking it. They know, they know, they know. They see how you talk to each other. They see it. You might as well be honest and use the honesty, use the vulnerability as a tool. Because my next point is, uh, that one's good, Uh, you can have a look at that one. But my next point is this, you'll be surprised how mature vulnerability, how far it can go with your kids. I use the word mature because you can share too much, right? But mature vulnerability, I've had a tough week. I'm going to be honest with you this week. I'm using mature vulnerability. It's been a lot of things happening. And Isaac said to me yesterday, my eldest, he saw me pacing around the room. He's like, Dad, are you all right? I said, I'm just carrying a lot at the moment. But God is good. We're okay. It's all good. And I said, it's nothing. There's no personal issues. It's just a lot of decisions that need to be made. And I could just see him go, cool. Okay. And I was like, I can share that with him then I'm okay, but I'm carrying some stuff at the moment. This is what carrying it, I don't know if I'd call it healthily, but <laughs> this is what it carrying it looks like. Okay. Kids are the best beast. I can't believe I said that. The way in which you speak, yes. Uh, you're influential with your parenting, whether you like it or not. So you might as well be influential. You might as well choose to be the positive influence because you're influencing them regardless. You know some of my story, most of you. I grew up without a dad, really. But how many people know that even if something isn't there or someone isn't there, it influences you? Guess what? Not having a dad influenced me. I remember I was 21 and someone asked me to back a trailer. Not that it's a dad's job, but my mum had to do everything. And so that got left. They got left. Okay, so 21, a whole group of people, and they were all watching me back a trailer. And I was like... Yeah, having a dad would have been helpful right about now. Um, So I had to figure that out. So um, even when you're not there, even when you're not doing a good job, you're influencing. So hey, let's take the opportunity to go, everything I do, everything I say is going to influence my kids and them and their, as adults and their kids even. All right, quote, is it a quote time? No, story time. Just two men on a hill. Um, When our kids turn 10, I say it like we do it all the time, we've had one kid turn 10. Um, but in our family, when we have kids turn 10, I think my sister-in-law just did it the other week with her, one of her daughters, we take them away and we have the chat. We have a lot of chats, including the chat. Now you might go, well, 10's pretty young. Whew, it's 2024, baby. <laughs> I think I should have had it at three. <laughs> 
not for him personally, but just the stuff that's out there and what the kids are talking about. So anyway, 10. And we're sitting up on the hill up in Craggyburn, and uh, we've made a, a, a time capsule. And he's written a letter to me and written a letter to himself, and I've written a letter to him, and we've put some mementos in. He's going to open it on his 21st birthday, hopefully. It's either me or his granddad if I'm not there. <laughs> hey, you never know. So it's a long way away. Uh, so, so we did that, and we're up on the mountain, and we just, I'm just talking about the birds and the bees. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about some decisions he's going to have to start making as a man. And I said, look, I know you're only 10, but we, and I talked to him about responsibility. I talked to him about what, it like, what it's like to be a man <laughs> as much as I could. And he looked at me, Dad, and he was like, well, I want to be a man like that. I was like, cool. We had a good cry. And he said, ah, just two men sitting on a hill. I was like, well, Hulk, calm down. <laughs> Unless you're driving home. <laughs> All right. So parenting. Is there something in your parenting that you need to recognize, realign, and replace? I keep forgetting that last one. Replace some of the stuff. Is there some stuff you need to do? All right. We're getting through them. We're not going to get through them all. I just realized I'm looking at the time, but that's okay. That means you have to come, not next week, Pastor Lyndon's preaching, but the week after, we'll finish them off. Influential marriage. Again, I recognize not everybody is married. I understand that. I hope that you can take some of this and transfer it to any relationship in your life. Let us not love with just words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. How many times have I had to say to husbands, Love has an action part of it. I love my wife. Cool. When was the last time you showed her? Oh, I bought this awesome hedge trimmer. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's not what I said. <laughs> Figuring out what someone's love language is and being purposeful, pouring into it. All right. Your marriage will always have an influencer. Who is it? Should be God, should be you, or is it Netflix? So what's cool? Is it your work? Let's let our marriages be influenced by Christ. Amen. Don't set a vision for your marriage. Vision's just words on a wall. You know, you walk into people's lounges and you've probably got them and you're like, oh no, he's outing me. But you've got like, live, laugh, life on the wall or... You know, this house and, you know, we do this and these are our houses. Lovely. Those are cool things. But that's your vision statement. That's not your culture. We talk in pre-marriage counseling about having a marriage culture. What are your deal breakers? Some of, I mean, I won't share them all, but Hannah and I have some deal breakers like we will never mock each other in front of other people. I mean, we might do it behind doors, but, <laughs> but it's always gentle and loving. But I will never rip her down in front of people. I build my wife up. She's flipping awesome. She's my life. <laughs> um, what is another one? We don't joke about divorce. I came from a family of divorce, ripped my family, my identity in two. I don't joke about that. Your words are powerful. You do you, boo, <laughs> how you want to do it. But I'm just letting you know. Have a strong marriage culture. Using words alone... To influence a marriage is like wearing a raincoat in the shower. 
kind of works. Because you're going to get wet feet, wet hands, wet face. But love is action. If you're married right now, I hope you're taking notes, men. Love has an action part of it. Find out what your wife loves and give. 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 It's a sacrifice, but give. If you're feeling unloved, now here's something just quickly. Don't read that. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Okay. I know that this is a black and white statement, but, um, and not all marriages should take this advice, because sometimes people are abusive, emotionally abusive, uh, and if you've been doing this for years, don't take this as a piece of advice. But for the average Christian marriage, where they're trying to work on stuff, where you see holes and gaps, and you've had a conversation, but you haven't seen the consistency over time, you sow what you want to reap. I have found that so helpful. I'm a bit of a romantic. Hannah's less so. <laughs> you would say, right? That's fair? Yep, okay. And so I sow romantically. I'm probably less on a, dump, a whole bunch of things. But there are areas, just being honest, right, in every marriage where you're like, it's not great. I'd like to see a change there. I could actually bring the change and I can actually, the thing that I'd like, I could do for them at even a greater measure. It's not manipulation, but it sets the tone, sets the atmosphere, sets the environment. Again, warning there, it's not for everybody because there's different situations. I can't give you marriage advice blanketly. But... Sow where you want to reap. A marriage that needs strengthening will often have this. I've done a lot of marriage, pre-marriage counseling and marriage counseling. A marriage that needs strengthening will often have at least one person that says this. I don't need to put too much in. We're all goods. We're sweet. A good marriage will often say, we've had periods of time where we've had to work on the marriage. And then the great marriages will often say, marriage takes hard work. Isn't that interesting? Now, hard work doesn't mean arguments. Hard work doesn't always mean conflict. Hard work means we're putting it in the calendar. We're putting it in the diary. We're working at our marriage. If you want a great marriage, um, it requires effort. It requires work. It requires looking at yourself every day. What was my motivation for saying that? Was I just trying to win no, yes, you were. You were just trying to win. Um, I made this quote last year. Uh, it's better to be relationally loving than relationally right. Oh, my goodness. How many marriages and, and issues are there where at the core of it, you just want to be right? And here's the fun, th fun part. What do you do when you are? When you know that you're right. That's interesting. You hold that over them. I'm right. I win. I win, I win, I win. Well, let me ask you a question. When you win, what happens to your spouse? They lose. I don't want my spouse to lose. I want them to win as well. It is better relationally to be loving and caring than fighting every right and wrong thing down like a bloodhound. Have a bit of grace. Now, there's wisdom in that too. 
You can't be like, yeah, babe, you could absolutely fly an aircraft. I'm sure of it. Let's jump in one to get... No. <laughs> That's, she's wrong. Well, he's wrong. Have some wisdom. All right. Marriage. Where do you need to recognize an issue? Where do you need to realign with God and his purposes? And what do you need to replace? And how do you replace it? Can we do one more? The last one, is that okay? We'll do this. We've got, is this three or four? I think we might be four. The use of the three T's. When we talk about generosity in this church, we don't like to just talk about money. I like to talk about the three T's. Time, treasure, uh, sorry, time, talent, and treasure. How are you working through your three T's? Time. I think one of the biggest things that we've got to be accountable for when we meet with Jesus is how we've used our time. I know that I do not use my time as well as I should or could. If we really think about it, time, it's who's in the first place. It's God's. How are you being a good steward of your time? How are you influencing people around you in time? There's your Ephesians verse there too. Time is a thing you have. How do you use it? How do you spend it? Are you a blessing to others? Are you influential to others? Or is it mine, mine, mine? Talent. The gifts that God has given you. First Peter, as each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as God stewards God's varied, uh, with varied grace. See, the thing is, is the gift that God gives you, if you really think about it, the gift that God gives you, is it yours to use for you alone? Often these gifts that God gives us are for us, but to be given again and again to others. The talent that God has given you, He hasn't just given it to you for you to make money. He hasn't just given it for you to crack out at the karaoke bar once every six years. Perhaps there is an action to it and God's got a purpose for your gift. Maybe it's finances as your gift. Maybe it's um, worship. Maybe it's pastoral care. Maybe whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be in a church setting. But what are you using and how are you using your talent? Maybe you're a great businessman. Maybe you're a great builder. I don't know. How are you using what God has given you? Is it just for you? Or do you also go, note 10% on my week and whatever I do, when it comes to work, I'm going to do it for someone else. I won't embarrass them, but I know they're here. There's a person here who works in trades and they will often say to me, hey, I'd like to do something for free for someone. Could you connect me with someone and I'm going to do it for free? That's so cool. Obviously, they haven't got a truckload of cash, but what they've got is I do have a skill and I can help. That's, I love that. It's really cool. And then the last one, treasure, your finances. Everybody loves talking about finances in church, don't they? One way we can get out from behind or get um, out from under control of serving money is to just give it away. Give it away. Matthew, 20, uh, sorry, Matthew 6, 24. Uh, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll have hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. But you cannot serve both God and money. 
I don't know if this is accurate, so I'll put a preface here, but I've heard that Jesus talked more about generosity, let's call it generosity, not just money, but Jesus talked about money more than he did about anything else combined, is what I'd heard. I need to remember that. I used to know the same. But he talked about money a lot. He talked about generosity a lot. Why? Because he knows it's a big part of our lives. He knew and knows that it's something that we put in front of us and we chase after. And the sooner that you can tame that beast and let money serve you and you bring the atmosphere and you are the one in control, man, the better. Not just for your own finances, but for those around you as well. How are you being influential with your finances? Uh, we're going to finish up here, but there's a story... Um, a lady, I'm going to out her, she's not here, don't worry, so um, this is a good story. So uh, this lady called Liz, Liz Moffat, she uh, was, um, well, is a pastor in our movement, and she led the community group that I think you might have heard me talk about that we did three years of work with at-risk Māori and Pacific Island youth. Her husband, Steve, owned a really, like the second biggest, no, third biggest steel company in the country and the biggest in the Waikato. Uh, and so they would do all of these steel beams, right? And um, let's just say he had done all right for himself. Um, he'd done really well for himself. And I had never seen a couple that were as generous as they are. Now, you're all thinking money, I know, and they, sh- they, they sure were. But in all three of those T's, time, talent, and treasure, I'd never seen a couple that had laid their life down as clear as this couple. And then he had a tragic accident at work and fell through some scaffolding and died. It was horrendous. And so she, she got paid out, she got half the business. Uh, and so became quite wealthy. And she bought a nine-bedroom house and had a lot of these kids that didn't have homes or didn't have stable homes and just had them living with her. Paid all of their bills, covered everything. And like, it wasn't just like she was paying with an FBOS card. Oh my gosh, I mean, you pay for it when you've got 15 people sleeping in your lounge on a Wednesday night, you know. And she just laid down her life. And I remember asking her one day, I was like, how have you done it? Like, why is it your every ounce of your time is spent loving these kids? Every word you use is uplifting them and bringing them closer to God. Every cent you seem to have, you pour into this. And she said, it's not mine anyway. Time, my talent, and my treasure. It's all given to me as a gift. I'll take what's left, but it's all for the glory of God. Let's, um, can you just go to the end? Can we stand to our feet, please? So, what we did, turn off. What we did is we talked about personal faith, we talked about parenting, marriage, and the three T's. Your personal faith, marriage, the three T's, and I'm missing one. Parenting, parenting, thank you. Can you just take a moment? I don't know your situation, but could you just take a moment and ask the Lord, is there somewhere I need to apply the three R's to this? Do I need to recognize perhaps I've got an area in one of those four areas that I really need help with, Lord? 
I don't want to have to do more necessarily, but I want to be able to use the influence I have for your goodness. Is that my personal faith needs to be encouraged and influenced? Is it my parenting? Is it my marriage? Is it my time, my talent, and my treasure? Can we just take 30 seconds? No one's looking. Close your eyes. And if you've never done this before, you can just simply go, God, can you speak to me? And you might say, but Pastor Dre, I don't believe God can talk to me. Okay, I disagree. But even if, let's go with that. God gave you an intellect. God can speak to your intellect. So if you just have something that pops to your mind and your thinking or on your heart, go with that one. Let's take 30 seconds. They are again to remind you, your personal faith, your marriage, parenting, and the three T's. Actually, just as an element of sacrifice, in this moment with eyes closed, we just often will open up our heart, hands and it's just a symbol of recognition, recognition of who God is and sacrifice and handing over. So if you're comfortable to do that, could you just hold out your hands? No one's looking. You can do little hands, you can do big hands and just receive from the Holy Spirit now. got the words in my head, you are not your parents. Whoever that is, you need to hear that. You are not your parents. You don't have to hand on what they handed to you any longer. You can be the one that stops it and it doesn't continue along the family line. Whoever that is, I want you to take that. Someone here, also I feel like you're saying my workplace is really hard and difficult. I just feel like God's saying just because it's hard doesn't mean it's wrong. It's hard because you're doing it under your own strength, not under mine. Come to me, realign, recognize, and replace. We're going to sing a worship song here. I'd like to start the year with a bang. I don't know about you. If you are like, you know what? I'd love to just have a quick prayer. 30 seconds. Someone just come and, and uh, align with me and say, yeah. And you could just say, look, parenting. And just to have someone lay hands on you for a short moment and just say, I agree with you. I align with you. And we're, we're going to pray for your parenting this year. Whatever it is. Workplace. Oh, we haven't done workplace yet. <laughs> Three T's. Parenting. Marriage. And your personal faith.